0: Learning to set limits so that your kids obey is the topic that every parent wants to learn more about. And fortunately, there's an approach that therapists use when counseling children that works really well for parents. So we're doing a three-part series where we explain the strategies, the skills, and the words to help you set limits so that you can provide your children with structure, consistency, and the protection that they need. In this episode, we're going to discuss how you can become more firm on which limits you set, how to set them, and which limits might be even worth letting go of.
1: Hello listeners, welcome to our second episode on setting limits at home. In our last episode, we shared a simple way you can effectively set limits at home by following the ACT model. A stands for acknowledge the feeling or the desire. C stands for communicate the limit. And T stands for target alternatives. Jonathan, would you mind reminding us um, of what that might sound like?
0: Yeah, so in our last episode, I actually recorded an example of a limit that i found myself saying in my home, Uh, but I decided to edit that out because I wasn't sure it was appropriate. But then I found myself saying it again this morning, and I figured, you know what? It's a real example, and maybe one of our listeners out there has the same kind of situation. So here it is. Hey, bud, I know you think it's funny to show people your butt, However, your private parts are not for showing people. If you want to make people laugh, you can tell them a joke or do a funny
1: dance. All right. So there you go.
0: <laughs> there you go. You acknowledge
1: that he, yeah, exactly. Right. Real life scenarios here, but you acknowledge that he thinks he's it's funny, right? To show mm-hmm. people his butt. Then you communicated the limit that his private parts are not for showing to people. And you targeted some alternative behaviors, so he can still express himself,
0: yes. And I, and I want to be clear, this is my four-year-old son. So that's a pretty typical behavior for, you know, three, four, by mm-hmm. the. Uh, and, anyway, and, and going back to what Joanna was mentioning here, the important point I want to highlight is that oftentimes behaviors are just a way that people want to express an emotion or a desire. Right. An angry child wants to express their anger by hitting or throwing or smashing. And what we say is, "Hey, that's ok to be angry, but I'm not for hitting. or those things are not for throwing, or those things are not for breaking. Right? If you want to express your anger, there are other ways you can do that that are more appropriate,
1: right. And what you're really saying it's okay to feel and even express those emotions that you're feeling, but not all behaviors or expressions. Of that emotion are acceptable. So, mooning people is not acceptable. <laughs> no. <laughs> but it's okay, right? To want to make people laugh. Mm-hmm. But that behavior he chose to express his desire or want to make people laugh was not okay. And how about we try these other more acceptable behaviors to try to express that same emotion or want? Yeah. And and you know
0: some of these behaviors maybe they're even okay but the location or the context isn't great. So for example, it's okay to feel frustrated and it's okay to scream but the living room isn't for screaming. If you want to scream, you can choose to do it in your room. Otherwise, you need to find another way to express that emotion.
1: Yeah, and that actually leads us into what we wanted to discuss today what behavior is acceptable, what behavior is never acceptable, and what behavior is maybe negotiable depending on where you are and really what's going on around you.
0: As a parent, I noticed that I would get into this habit of saying no to everything my kids did or everything they asked for. And I see this a lot when I'm people-watching. Right? We just become no machines. And when you think about a child's day, you realize that they're either being told what to do and how to do it, or they're being told that what they're doing is bad or wrong or not acceptable all day.
1: No wonder they feel frustrated? So how can we not go overboard with the limits? Because really, at the end of the day, a kid has to be a kid. So what can we do as parents to still allow for some, you know, creative expression and for them to learn and grow from their mistakes without feeling like we're living in this chaotic situation and saying no all the time.
0: Yeah. And Joanna, you know, during our parenting workshops, you share a concept that I really like about the baskets.
1: Uh, Ah, yes, the baskets. So I like to group behaviors into these three different baskets, right? What we call an A basket as a B basket and a C basket. So Your A basket is filled with behaviors that are absolutely not acceptable. So mooning people, maybe in the A basket. (laughs) Coloring on the wall with crayon or marker, maybe in the A basket. Hitting people, hurting themselves or breaking things inside the house, all A basket. So I'm going to skip the B basket for now, but we'll come back around to that. So moving on, your C basket are those things that you've decided really aren't worth the energy. Um, These might be things like Listening to music loudly in their room, or wearing mismatched socks, or maybe even dyeing their hair a different color—you know—you've made this conscious decision that you're just going to let these things go. Imagine that. And what parent or adult doesn't want less responsibility? So, listen up, Jonathan and I are actually telling you to take some of those responsibilities and throw them, maybe even slam dunk them into some of your sea baskets. (laughs) Right? Gosh, I feel lighter even just kind of saying that out loud, right? Yeah. You know, by wearing unmatched socks or listening to loud music or dyeing their hair, they're not hurting anybody and they're not damaging property. They're simply expressing themselves. And then your bee baskets, right? The bee baskets are for behaviors that you typically don't allow, but maybe you're willing to make some exceptions. So this might be, you know, bedtime at nine, 80% of the time. But when company is over, maybe you're at the park or at carowinds, that can maybe be pushed back some, you know, kind of times you're you're willing to, you know, make exceptions or even to be flexible.
0: Yeah. And I love this idea for several reasons. First, it prevents us from just saying no to everything. Uh, there are some behaviors that maybe we don't love, but there's really nothing wrong with them. It could be how your child eats chips. It could be how they do their hair, whatever, but you're just Instead of being always reacting, now you're being a little bit more intentional. And I love what you said, right? By releasing some of that need to always control everything you know, your child's doing, just letting saying, hey, some of these things, just whatever, I'm, I'm going to let that go. I love that idea of kind of freeing yourself from that. The mm-hmm. second thing this does is it can help you coordinate with your spouse or your partner, whoever you're, you're taking care of your children with. You can get on the same page. And that is huge. So if you can come to an agreement about what behaviors are in those A, B, and C baskets, it will make it easier to work together. And we also want to point out, right, Joanna's baskets at home are going to look different than my baskets at home. And they're going to look different than your baskets at your home. We're we're going to have different baskets. We're going to have different tolerance levels, everything. So that's totally normal and fine.
1: Exactly. And what we've found myself included is that most parents' baskets aren't very balanced. So if you find that you fall into the drill sergeant parent category, um, you may find that your A basket tends to be a little heavier, level full, or really demanding things mm-hmm. saying no all the time. Well, um, while your C basket may have plenty of room. And on the opposite side, if you happen to be the very permissive parent, your child's friend who likes to say yes and make them happy all the time, you may find that your C basket is much heavier. Um, So this requires a lot of reflection and self-reflection and really focusing on balancing your baskets. So after you're done listening to this episode, grab a piece of paper and draw three columns and title them A, B, and C. Then list several behaviors in each column so that you have a plan for which behaviors you're going to Set limits around each and every time, which ones you can be more flexible on, and which ones you're just going to ignore while making sure to focus on balancing all three baskets.
0: great advice and and this list can evolve over time. You may put a behavior in column C and choose to just let that behavior go because right now it's not a problem. But over time, it starts becoming a problem. or maybe you you hear something in a podcast and you're like, actually, maybe I I should set more limits around that. You can then decide that you need to change that behavior to column B and only let that behavior happen every once in a while. We did something like that with screen time and video games, right? We used to allow watching and playing games every day for 30 to 60 minutes. And that was kind of a C basket. I mean, there's still some limits around it, but it was kind of a C basket. But then it started becoming a problem. So now it's more of a B basket. And that We don't have any games or tablets uh, Sunday through Thursday, and then they can watch for one hour on Friday and two hours on Saturdays.
1: Yeah, exactly. And maybe you absolutely didn't allow food on the couch when your child was younger and that used to be in the A basket, but now that they're a little older, maybe more coordinated or even more responsible, maybe you've now moved that into the C basket, allowing them to eat on the couch a little more freely. So, we're not going to tell you which behavior should be in each basket, but you should go through this exercise of figuring out what you're going to do so that you don't have to always be making a decision in that moment. And if the decision has already been made, then you can jump right to setting a limit when you see that behavior actually happening.
0: Yeah, being prepared is is really helpful. And I would even say that once you come up with your list, write down how you might set limits for those behaviors in the A basket and how you might explain the, the behaviors in the B basket. right? Write out how you would ACT, how you'd act. How, you, how are you going to acknowledge the feeling and communicate the limit and target the alternative so that in that moment, you aren't trying it out for the first time. Right? In our home, climbing on the table is in the A basket. And I know that when my four-year-old starts climbing, I'm going to say, bud, I know you like climbing on the table. But the table's not for climbing on. You need to sit down. So I'm I'm ready to go. Like I have that in my back pocket. I know he's going to do it, and we're gonna we're gonna use that act uh, during that moment.
1: All right. So what are we missing here?
0: Whenever we start talking about setting limits using ACT, I think the assumption is that people start thinking like, oh, I got to use this hundred percent of the time. Or else, you know, or else we're a failure, right? And that can really be exhausting. I mean, I've done that too. Like every single behavior, you're like, I know you want to do this, but it's not for doing. So Mm -hmm. it's like, ah, it's 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 tiring. Right. So, Joanna, talk to us about how can we incorporate acknowledging the feelings, the desires, communicating the limits, and targeting alternatives into our day to day communications with our kids without going overboard and, you know, making ourselves exhausted with that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I'm really glad you brought this up. So, here's what we recommend our approach to therapy and to parenting is that it's the relationship that matters most. And if you're coming from a place where you're typically yelling at your child, demanding they stop doing this and that, and maybe even threatening them with a punishment, then using ACT is really important because you want to begin establishing that relationship where your child starts hearing that you understand them and that you accept them and that their feeling or desire is valid. It's just the way they're trying to express themselves in that moment that may not be acceptable. So we encourage you to use ACT quite a bit in the beginning, but eventually what's going to happen is that the relationship with you and your child will become more secure. And when your child isn't listening or following a rule, what you'll find is that you won't always have to use ACT for every single interaction or or when you tell your child to do something or to stop doing something, because really the relationship you have now developed with your child has magically reached a place of acceptance and trust, which will then allow your child to naturally want to listen because the trust and acceptance mm. in your relationship is now reciprocal.
0: Right. And and I would say that I'm now at a point where if I need my son to wash his hands, I'll say, dude you need to wash your hands before dinner. They're filthy, right? And Mm -hmm. if he starts humming and hawing and pushing back, then I'll start in with, hey, I know you're tired and you don't want to wash your hands. But after you come in from playing outside, you need to wash your hands. You can wash them in the kitchen or in the bathroom. Or if he's playing music loudly in the kitchen, I'll be like, you need to turn that down to level three.
1: You really, your command, very direct and matter of fact.
0: Yeah, like I don't have to like you said, I don't have to always do ACT at this stage. So if I need something done or if I need to, you know, just establish a limit, I can I can be direct and state that. But then if there's pushback, if he's not complying very quickly, that's when I'll instead of you know escalating it with getting angry at him, that's when I'll use that tool set of ACT. Hey, bud, I know you like listening to your music, but the kitchen isn't the place to do it that loudly. You can listen to it at volume three here or you can listen to it in your room at the volume that you want.
1: Yeah, so you're now at a place where if you need them to do something, you may start with more of a direct command request. And if you see that they're struggling maybe a little bit to comply, instead of yelling at them, you can go into this ACT method that Jonathan said to, to show empathy, communicate the limit, and then target alternatives without getting angry or escalating.
0: Yeah, exactly.
1: All right. Well, Jonathan, last episode, we shared some quick examples, which many of you listeners expressed really, really liking. So let's share some examples of setting limits for maybe some of your most common A baskets, B baskets, and C baskets.
0: One A basket for us is you know, taking a shower. So in that situation, it's the typical ACT. I know you guys really want to keep jumping on the trampoline, but it's time to take a shower. So you can choose to go into my shower or you can choose to go into the kid's shower. Mm-hmm.
1: All right. A basket limit, going to school. You don't feel like going to school today and school is important. So you can either race me to the car or you can choose to play your favorite songs in the car on the way to school.
0: All right, so now let's look at some B basket limits. So in this situation, uh, maybe we will explain to our child Hey, you know, during the weekdays, curfew is nine o'clock. On the weekends, it's 11 o'clock. And during a school dance, it's midnight. Now, if there's any pushback on that, if, if, you know, during the weekday, your child wants to push that limit to 10, that's when you'd start jumping in with ACT. Hey, I know you want to stay out later with your friends. You're having a good time. But curfew during the weekdays is 9 p.m. So I can come pick you up or you can have your friends' parents drop you off. Then on the weekends, they want to stay out till one. Same thing, right? You're just going to repeat that ACT. Mm -hmm. If it's a school dance, you're going to repeat that ACT. I know you want to stay out later. You're having so much fun with your friends, but the curfew is midnight for dances. Mm -hmm. So you can choose for me to come pick you up, or you can choose to have your friends drop you off.
1: Um, A sea basket limit for me, right? I have a child. My youngest likes to wear shorts all year round. So I've chosen to put this in a sea basket, right? Wearing shorts when it's cold outside. You know what? If my kid wants to wear shorts, even though it's 20 degrees outside, he's really not going to freeze to death here in North Carolina. So one of those things that's in my sea basket, he can choose to wear shorts all year round.
0: All right, Joanna, thanks. And I think that's a pretty good list of examples. So you know what? Now it's our listener's turn. So if you're listening to this, grab a piece of paper, create three columns and list out your A, B, and C baskets so that you have a plan going forward. And if you're working with your spouse or a partner, making sure everyone's on the same page and you can begin setting consistent limits. And in the next episode, we're gonna talk about how to handle those situations where your child is refusing to comply. So thanks for listening and make sure to tune in next time.